Welcome to Nameless Debate Radio, where radioactivity is contagious. You can join us in broadening our minds on the Nameless Debates Discord via the link below, and even feature here yourself, if you've got what it takes. Toph knows. He knows I'm not racist. But I'm not is sure. Toph he in here? Yeah, he's in here now. Toughalicious. Sorry, dude. He's unmuted. You actually can unmute him. Did you know? Uh, I didn't know that. Hello, hello, hello. What up, homie? What's up, my dude? <laughs> hey, what's up, dude? Hello, Zeke. Dude, good to hear your voice. Heck yeah, man. I was, I was afraid. I thought I was. Um, I couldn't get this microphone to work. I'm glad it does. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude! I'm using this phone to its fullest right now. Are you? A, Is it a smashed yeah, one? Uh, <laughs> it's uh, Note 8, and I was able to buy um, a, a, a what is this, a wireless keyboard and mouse to it. So it's oh, like nice. a little laptop. Dude, that's a pretty sweet rig you got there. Finally. <laughs> it's been a while. I, every yep. time I, I knew you, you had like some broken screen fiasco. <laughs> With like a hundred <laughs> apps. Yeah, exactly. Dude, man. So, yeah, we were just talking like before we got onto the weird, it's almost a non sequitur of racism. Um, we were talking about like this whole DM theory thing. And like, th- did you catch that lace- latest YouTube upload? Uh, I doubt uh, anyone else watches it as carefully as you did. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's basically uh, kind of zooming in a hundred times on 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 any subject, right? And just just getting everything that it means encompassed by everything that it is and does, and just it just keeps going in and 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 to explain it all to explain it all, right? Like DM theory, kind of what I got from it. That's interesting. Are you talking about like a fractal sort of thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, it is sort of like that. Yeah. It's scary awesome. to talk about because I can't like explain it other than like see it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. I so, in uh, sync uh, is Matt. He's the author of DM theory, Toff, and. He, like, I've had, so Matt, I've had tons of chats with Toph back in uh, California when I used to live out there. And um, he and I used to go, like, way deep on just these different kind of pataphysical exercises. So he and I both kind of think visually. And Uh one of the things that, like, we've always been able to connect on is just, there's there's a way that we can imagine things but then not take that imagination as like the the holy grail fact of things um mm-hmm. and, and it so, gets us in trouble every time right we get <laughs> off into tangent land <laughs> and so this is like a i i i i do get the feeling top that you've been able to kind of like catch glimpses of it but um not focused but glimpses yeah, the, yeah correct yeah totally 
Okay. That's yeah, why I'm here. I want to kind of just like listen in and, and just really try to home in a, a little deeper. Nice, dude. Okay. So let's, dude, Matt, do you mind like laying, rolling out the carpet on this? Like, um, yeah. I mean, do, could he like give me what he does understand of it maybe? Because otherwise it's hard to tell where to start. Don't want to like try to explain something he understands. Right. It's a shot in the dark. So, Toph, I'm going to ask you a couple questions, okay, bud? Sure. All right, man. So, have you, like, do you have interest in definitions? Uh, totally, yeah. Okay. They're always changing, and definitions are always needed. Definitely. Okay. Def definitions are definitely needed. And uh, so, when we're talking about data, uh, if you look it up non-DM theoretically, it's just uninterpreted information. And the little kind of booster kit we added to that, that Matt added to it, is uh, non-contingency. So non-contingency is basically an, an easy way of, or a complex way, kind of philosophically sound way, perhaps. Mm -hmm. uh, way of saying not reliant upon anything it's basically a, its own thing and, and it explains everything and it and it can't well, it, it has tries. yeah it has it's a model to help us well it's a model Heart. that helps us do it essentially okay so the it's in a way like a map but it's not the actual territory Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I try to I try to talk in these uh, like in this path of thinking. I try to talk this way, and it yeah. p makes people just I just lose people every day, dude. Like I oh, yeah. I want to reach them in such a universal approach. Uh, like I guess a universal approach is how you would say this, and people yeah. either get angry at you because they think you're trolling them. <laughs> or you're like not being serious and i'm like dude i'm being beyond serious i i yeah. see your side i can go there and back and come out with a whole different response but you know meet me somewhere dude but right there's never there's really it's really hard to meet anyone there exactly mm -hmm. man so, i love so, this it's great dude and this is i've i've been watching matt do this and getting better and better at like kind of keeping the space of it because if you notice something about the way i used to do things dude mm -hmm. one thing that you can characterize it as is a lot of movement right oh absolutely dude. like i would my position would move and i would do cartwheels around everything and like metaphysical cartwheels or whatever and I never really settled down on one feature to not ever waver on. And this is that one, like, so if, if Matt would be so kind as to, like, give Toph the one thing that he never has to move on. Awesome. That would well, like that will in some, in help. summary form, surely he's heard it, but I, I can give it to him. Yeah. Um, so... <clears throat> What do 
do you want me to engage first or just tell him? Yeah, go, go ahead and engage, yeah. Okay. Um, so when we're talking about like the like fundamental basis for things existing, uh, like in, in the beginning, whatever that means, um, like at the basis of things, uh, there either is something or there is nothing. Do we agree? Yeah. Yep. Um, so those are the only two options. And um, the, basically what we're going to do is we're going to evaluate them. So one of them is something, right? That's, you know, you don't have to be that specific to sort of know what I mean at the very least. Like you've got things all around you, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. What's nothingness? Uh, for me, nothingness is a vastness of something about to be created. Um, can you well, explain that to me, please? Uh, I, I feel like nothing could sometimes, or uh, for sure, lead to a, mis- a mistake, if you will, of of, of a, a spontaneous spark of some sorts will happen in nothingness, or in the vastness of having nothing. Something's got to give. Mm, All right, so- I'm not so sure that I'm following you. Uh, okay, so enlighten me on what you think, so I can I can have a better sense on this. Okay, so we're talking about nothingness, right? So uh, maybe we should like st- <clears throat> start with an example of nothingness that we can deal with a bit more easily, right? So like, mm-hmm. when you say you have nothing in some situation in your life, like pick one, pick a context, and you say you have nothing oh. or that there is nothing or something like that, what do you mean? Uh, lacking uh, a certain uh, a certain intellectual property of my uh, something something with money. I, I have no money. Uh, I need to get money. Yeah. Nothing in your um, wallet. Yeah. Okay. I have no money. No, nothing in your wallet. Yeah. Okay, but but just to be clear though, like when we say we have nothing in our wallet, we don't always literally mean that, and we can still be telling the truth in some more nuanced way because what we mean is not quite what we say and the other person knows what we mean which is that we don't have enough money for it to be significant therefore we have um like what you would say is effectively no money right correct yeah and so like that's an example of where we have something which could be there it exists but it's not present so it's relative (laughs) so so something something is absent that? Yes. And the something yeah. in this case is money. Okay. Okay. So what are we what are we saying about nothing so far? That it is it's just an example. It really doesn't mean nothing. It's mm-hmm. just used to describe but not Is that the case? State. It doesn't it doesn't mean nothing. What do you mean by that? Uh, it doesn't, doesn't mean, mean um, I guess um, it it just it's a metaphor. Yeah. Uh, metaphor for what, sorry? For the lack of money that I have, which I do have, but I just can't, you know, um, give my shekels away to you at the moment. <laughs> so. No, but I might not be asking you to give me your shekels. I could be asking if you've got any money for us to go get food or something like that. Like, there's lots of reasons that you might say it. And, like, it seems to me that it's contextually specified, right? 
Yeah. Um, so, like, if I ask if you uh, have the money to grab a meal, you might say yes. But if I were to ask you, you might say you have no money, or you might say you do have the money, right? But if I ask you, for instance, to go paintballing, which is quite a bit more expensive, you might say that you just have no money. And what you you don't necessarily mean that you don't have enough money for a meal. And so, like, when you say that you don't have any money, like, it's not it's not a metaphor. That's not the correct word. It's hyperbole. You're exaggerating because mm. it's effectively true in terms of, like, what they're inquiring about. Um, but, like, realistically, what you're referring to is an absence, is it not? Totally, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's an absence of something, and that something is, like, um, contextually specified. There's something relative to what you are, like, like uh, talking about that could be there but isn't. That's right. Okay. So this is what we would call relative nothingness. And it's if we're categorizing or, or making a list of nothings that have some type of... Uh, imaginary existence if you will there's i think we have at least three to four depending on how we count them okay and here's one of them awesome Mm -hmm. uh say that one more time this is relative relative nothingness got it and think of absence as nothingness okay got that dude so the next phase of nothingness, we have uh, it's relative nothingness and then the idea. So the fact that we're talking about it in this way, we have now the idea of nothingness. And this is, this is the part where there's like the extra care of logic is it's so crucial because here's where it gets so nuanced and slippery that if you don't pay attention, the point will be missed. And then the realization will not take root. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's the problem we have with uh, trying to explain ourselves as a whole to people. Yep. And this is why it's nice to explain ideas instead of ourselves. Because this, I mean, Matt, do do you attach yourself to this idea at all? Um... Like, it's hard to say. Not, I don't think so in the sense that you're asking me. Right. At the same time, it's definitely true that, like, um, a lot of the things that I have incorporated into my identity um, have, like, been uh, formulated in light of the thing that I think is true. So yeah. it's not. it wouldn't be fair for me to say no, um, but in the intellectual sense, I do, like, a pretty good job, in my opinion, of uh, asking for criticism, not... Uh, trying to deny that there could be criticism right okay so that's that's a perfect i think uh attitude to have towards the the next part which is where i got hung up on the idea of nothingness Mm -hmm. um so we had we went over relative nothingness now the idea of nothingness is the fact that we're talking about it and there is something to talk about which Mm -hmm. in and of itself makes the absence of nothingness something that isn't happening here because we're talking about it so in a way we're evidencing the idea of nothingness not the absence of absence 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So Matt probably has a more direct way of saying that, but you're doing uh, a good job, man. Okay. I, I yeah, I totally understood that, and it makes so much sense. How could you talk about nothing if it's uh, not there? It's obviously something. So absolutely. yeah, yeah. So what we're talking about is obviously yeah the idea of nothing, right? Um, and then so we've got like a couple of different kinds of nothing at that stage, and so we can go further and we can say like from the idea of nothing. Um, you can make an inference, and you can say, well, maybe um, things can be absent. Maybe things can be absent in general. Um, and, like, it's hard for you to tell whether or not that makes sense, but it doesn't, because if things could be absent in general, then there would be, like, an absolute absence. But the thing about that is that I would think then absence would have to be absent, and then you'd have things again. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> right? So the idea of absolute or primal or unmoved nothingness, just the the pure blank. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. that is what we're claiming is the impossible thing that has never and could never exist. And in realizing that proposition what ends up happening is a somethingness, doesn't matter what you call it, a somethingness is converted automatically into an eternity, a thing that has always existed without beginning, without end, and without boundary. So no beginning to reality is needed. Awesome. Awesome. This is a very cool, hopeful approach to living life. Yeah. <laughs> no more need to Happy argue to... about beginnings. Hell no. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Very cool, man. Right? And mm-hmm. these are these are just the three talking points you guys uh put out there. Is there more to this? Obviously, oh, right? There is so much more. There's so much more. So this is like more. getting at the pixel of it, essentially. Wow. Cool. So, so if you uh, if you learn how to like Get your own language and your own mind wrapped around this pixel. What this, I guess you end up getting to attach a bit of your identity to it. Just at least in terms of how you can talk about it and how you can intellectually conceptualize it all. Because I I totally feel this because I've been having a hard time in in this uh, nameless debate channel with with trying to make people understand what I think. And, and no yeah. one kind of seems to catch my drift. Uh, I've been told that they think I'm trolling and I'm not, uh, but uh, I, I really have to get this down because they're talking about ethics and I should learn that first before I start talking to or wanting to debate. And I'm like, but bro, like I, I, I'm sure I'm already there. It's just, you're not wanting to meet me in the middle here. Right. So much unknown that you gotta you gotta fucking give it some some fucking value bro there's it's a hard thing to find where it is that we're all standing and how it is that we can move closer into the center that the actuality of reality can be predicated on because if it's just like my idea about socialism or your idea about capitalism or his idea about uh minarchism or 
insert any political philosophy here and base it on what we all think is the most ethically viable. All that stuff doesn't matter if we can't set that on a solid, unmovable foundation, because that foundation will continually, like quicksand, slip out from under us if we don't, like I used to do, constantly dance with it. And you can't do that forever, man, is what I found. And that's why I'm so grateful for Matt here, is that he, he made me learn that I didn't have to keep doing that. I'm back, yeah. guys. There he is. Is that Blue Blob? Yeah, what's up, guys? Yeah, what's man. up, dude? I think, um, you know, it's an important one to think about because the question is ultimately one that is very, very difficult to determine because um, we always think we have it under control. And the question is, um, do you dance with your demons or do you dance for them? Mm-hmm. What do you think, Toph? Wow. Uh, I am totally dancing with them, bro. I've never felt, I've never felt that before until today. And it makes sense because I get angry uh, at others for not understanding. So that's already a, a little, a little show of who, who's in there, you know, talking yeah. to me. Dude. Demon, dude. Yeah. <laughs> dude. And I've been weirdly short tempered, especially today. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I had to, I had to shout at my kids for fighting just over and over again, over petty fucking bullshit to where it's I just think Terrence is in here, bro. <laughs> Why, what would you say? No, I just think he'd be talking some shit and annoying you. Oh, dude. I would actually probably have. Yeah. I probably would have let some of it rip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy his his name is Terrence Watts. And I love the combination because I, I like both of those guys. But it's like he's a heckler with a cool name. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, I kind of like talk to him. Yeah, I feel you. I, I've, I've talked to him a couple of times. And yeah, he's definitely a heckler. And, oh, and you know, approaching him with this ideology, at least a little bit of what i have which is a relative nothingness just a a slight glimpse of what i thought i knew about it now i know more right uh it was already throwing him off and 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 putting me on like this like corner trying to quarter me but i was bobbing and weaving throughout the whole time he he couldn't get at me and he tried as hard as he could dude but you know what just not just a little little glimpse of relative nothingness that's all i have yeah and that's what I, that's what kept me alive totally. from that bout. It's bro. energetic if you think about it in those terms too. Yeah. Oh man. It was, it was a lot of fun. I was, I was up well, for like three, four hours with the guy, like and him and some other dude. Crambot's actually a pretty cool guy too. Oh yeah, yeah, he is definitely. Dude, there was this thing that I was uh, kind of sensing when I heard you talk about nothingness though, as though um, it sounded a bit like you were talking about like the void or the, potential of like the vacuum like what seems like virtual particles yeah uh, that which might have been a more physics based idea of nothingness and that in and of itself is it's not nothingness either it's just it's the quantum foam or it's virtual particles but so matt matt yeah dude it's, yeah totally you felt that for sure matt are you there nice. it's blue yeah, what's up man 
What's going on? It's Gloob here. Such a Yo, good name. Thank you. Yo, I, just, <laughs> I, I feel you with uh, nothing not being real, with nothing being an impossible concept. I get, I get that vibe that if we can talk about it, or say just in a, in terms of physics, if we could uh, spot nothing, if we were actually looking at it, then uh, it would be something. Mm-hmm. It goes deeper than that as well, man. I, I uh, yeah, I get, I get that vibe. Um, I'm still interested in um, understanding how we could. Uh, come to conclusions though logical conclusions about uh reality as a whole given our given our spot in reality um you have to be more specific than that well i'm just see when my my overall position is 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 essentially one of agnosticism where i but like i don't really think we can know anything i think i think we can't know things past the point where we can determine that they're not illusory or anything like that. I don't, so speculating on behalf of reality as a whole and theories of everything and everything to me is, is like I said earlier, it's a, it's a tough task because if we can't even get past uh, us being illusory, then it seems hard to come to these conclusions or arrive at them. But I've always been open to it. But mm, I mean, like, how, how exactly do you suppose that we haven't got past that uh, contention about maybe all the things we think are true or false? Well, I haven't gotten past it. Fair enough. But others have. But for me, I I don't know. For me, I'm I don't I. Don't, I don't feel as though I'm personally capable of arriving at theory of everything conclusions about uh, reality. Um, of course, like you can't. You got to be careful, obviously. But the point is, um, if you could find something like that, it'd be irrefutable, right? Um, to some, I mean, I okay. suppose it could be irrefutable if you if you could. I suppose. It, it could be again irrefutable um, within this uh, system of logic, within our system of logic. But if you're to not not necessarily assume, but you can't know for sure again that that our system of logic is a, has universal value. I don't have to know for sure, though. You have to know for sure. No, I don't have to know for sure. Well, there could be there could be something outside of our system of logic that negates. Uh, yeah, I accept that. I accept yeah. that. So I don't think anything can actually be irrefutable. No, but I don't think you understand. Um, you can't say that anything's irrefutable because of the contention you just raised. But nonetheless, something could be if it was actually true. Like you wouldn't be able to know such a thing, but it could be the case nonetheless. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think if you arrive at a theory of everything, that it'll probably be irrefutable to with our within our system of logic. Because if it was refuted by our system of logic, then that means that there is some system of logic out there that can refute it, thus rendering it uh, not true. If any system of logic can refute it, 
But so I do believe if there is a theory of everything, it would it, it would be a necessary component of it that it would be irrefutable, but it wouldn't just by virtue of it being irrefutable wouldn't make it true. It would, no, but I think that what we would say though is that what is irrefutable is the best guess at what is true. The best guess, sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, yes, I'm sure you can arrive at things that are contrary to each other. Like, I'm sure, like I'm sure you could make like tautological statements that are seemingly contrary. Give it a go. I can't, I can't off the top of my head, but <laughs> I'd like to hear. It. I can, I can off the top of my head, but uh, it, it reminds. Well, me I've looked, in, I've looked into it. It doesn't seem possible. Give us one that you've gotten as a as an example. Well, it doesn't it doesn't exist yet. But I'm not to to say that it's impossible. No, me. no, no. I'm not saying it's impossible for you. I'm saying yeah. I have checked. I'm willing to conclude that it's not possible because I've actually tried. Yeah, but we've tried. But no, perhaps, but like I I've tried like in a very rigorous manner. Perhaps there's a domain of thinking where you can come up with contrary tautological statements. Perhaps that we Perhaps. have access to that. To no, make but it. like, here's the thing: yeah. even if you think that that argument can't be beaten, the argument is obfuscatory in nature because ultimately, what we're talking about is what we have. And here, the rules are the way they are. And saying maybe they're not actually this way doesn't help us, except insofar as we admit that that's true and keep it in mind. But we still go on with the show. We still try to figure out what's true. Yeah, like it's a best guess. Exactly, which is what I said mm-hmm. it was. Yeah, I know. And but, one of the things that I think kind of gets all of our minds hung up on is the idea of knowledge and proof and how it is that we can take this and put it on a scale so that we can measure it. Because that's at least the the scientific impulse that we have in terms of how we make use out of the things that we extract out of reality or even mm-hmm. just out of this universe. But what, what I found in like going over and over this basis to the degree that you end up realizing that a, cause I've heard people have to, they say you can't know a theory of everything unless you know everything. And I think that when people say something like that, they just, they fundamentally miss the point, first of all. And second of all, they don't realize how it is that they've set up a standard of epistemology, uh, for the study of knowledge at least, that is already so inhuman and impossible that there is no conversation after that. It's just a thing that shuts conversations down, either for psychological reasons that that person holds that particular sentence in their head. I don't know exactly why people would hold, hold that. Uh, in any serious regard, and then expect people to take that and go, well, I guess you're right. I can't know everything, so we should all just pack it in and call it a day. Because uh, ultimately, that's true. No human being, even if we conglomerated all of our minds in an intersubjective artificial intelligence of sorts, even that thing couldn't know everything. It would just know all the things on Earth. Even, you know, only what was programmed and parameterized for it to know. So the slippery slope of what constitutes knowledge and what, what would be at least within the realm of confident 
confident information held to be significant, let's say. There's, there's a lot that can fit in the categories of significance. So unless you have a, a filter that is going to render statements such as you don't know everything, therefore you can't know a theory of everything as irrelevant, then as far as I'm concerned, there's a, there's a calibration issue with the way that our minds are extruding information and the stuff that we render as important or not important, the things we pay attention to or ignore. Well, it's not necessarily that you don't know everything, therefore you can't come up with a theory of everything. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's more that um, there's so little that we can actually know. Like, mm -hmm. just in, in regard to why people are skeptical overall theories of everything, because it, 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 it's difficult to know, um, it's difficult for, there's, there's very few polymaths out there, and it's difficult uh, for, some, for an individual to possess all apps like a complete understanding of their particular field alone. Yeah. And, uh, let alone two or three. I am, even then, we still we're still limited in our uh, temporal uh, understanding of it. We're still we still have uh, we're 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 not very far in deep into history as the or so right. new. So I mean, it it does seem it does seem challenging to come up to to come to these conclusions and. At some point in the future, I mean, perhaps uh, this understanding of it will be uh, will still be relevant, but also perhaps it'll be um, the talk of the twenty first century talk. Totally, man. That's given, an interesting way to look at it. Given that perspective, I feel uh, that's the perspective I'm arguing from. Not necessarily that in order to talk about everything, you have to possess knowledge of everything. Just okay. Well, it's good to clear that up too, then. Because yeah. uh, I, I mean, personally, I don't think uh, I could take issue with any type of agnosticism because that's the position I generally hold as well. Um, I just, for me personally, imagining things comes so easily that I can imagine definitive conclusions like, or conclusions to definitions and state those explicitly as provisional for the time that I have that information that renders that set of information complete. And then I get a new bit of information. If it modifies and updates that definition, I do that. And in a way, that methodology seems to be what agnosticism has loosely configured for me just over the years of using it. Uh, and dialectics as well, like the pursuit of truth in whatever fashion we can, if we are just concluding about definitions, even if it's just for the conversation at hand, a lot of those conversations, if consistently applied over time, that's essentially what philosophy ends up being, the codification of those agreements. And what we'll get is a new map that updates with every new contour of the territory that we end up discovering. Yeah, well, 
that's what I do too. I, I, uh, that's my, that's how I, uh, use my agnosticism is whenever I hear an idea, I play it out to its logical conclusion in my head. And I, I experience it as if I believe it. Yeah. For the sake of understanding it. And, uh, that's the advantage, I suppose, of agnosticism. I agree, man. And, I've uh, thought, I've thought like that. Uh, I mean, there was a time where I had this idea. Uh, I called it a razor, a logical razor. But in order for knowledge to occur, belief is required, or something like that. And it was, it was me trying to make peace with the fact that it seemed as though belief underwrit just about everything that humans could open their mouths about. Yeah, what I, yeah. uh, No, go ahead, man. Well, I was going to say, like, yeah, what I do is I I bracket all my beliefs uh, in terms of understanding uh, uh, a given belief that it's, uh, so in in, in terms of uh, this uh, data logic type thing, I can, uh, I certainly can bracket all my beliefs. That's uh, good. Pursue uh, thinking about it as a possibility. But, uh, and, uh, I mean, I could do it now, but when I, but then when I do reintegrate myself with my, uh, with my, uh, suspicions about reality, it does, mm. uh, it does get hard to, um, I accept certain things, but I, I do again, agree with the, with the premise that, uh, nothingness could very well not be real if we're able to, uh, talk about it. Right. And think about it clearly, it ends up kind of defining away the requirement of a beginning in the first place. Yeah, I, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's very possible that nothingness doesn't exist at all in any, in any, uh, at any level of reality, there could perhaps nothingness doesn't exist. I think that's the same position to hold with it. Yeah. So then what would be there uh, at the base of reality? Would it be there in that regard, there'd have to be something there at the base of reality. If nothing, mm-hmm. what's there? Yeah. So perhaps. Yeah. We could, I don't, I could, but at that point, I don't know what it could be. Um, I think that's why we've taken the time to name it because it's rare that you come across an occasion for a new word that is so demanding to be named. And I mean, I, I kind of can be favorable towards the ideas that were uh, parabolically represented in the Bible, like the idea of Adam uh, being here to name things. And like, when you think about all the things that have been named on earth, than all the things that are named about the way that we can think about the things on earth. That's essentially metaphysics. And then all of the things that can be named about the way we do that in our imaginations from our own particularized vantage points. Well, that's essentially what I'm calling pataphysics. Yeah. And if we just draw a circle around all three of those domains, physics, metaphysics, and pataphysics, if we accord ourselves this unmoved pixel of certainty of the absolute existence of a static truth 
that static image that we get a slice of insight on, that would be omniphysics. And if we can have an omniphysically ethical point of view that extends right back down into earth to meet us in this present moment, and then for us to say, here's what I think is right, and this is why, and have that all somehow logically cohere in an intersubjective way, I think what ends up happening is the idea behind a universal morality becomes an achievable pursuit, even if it's just entertaining the, the notion of such a thing. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's a fruitful pursuit. I think, uh, I think there is a desire to, get, to, to keep going with uh, keep uh, talk of the processes of processes of processes and, yeah. and so on. To, yeah, it gets infinite. Yeah. Really, or it, like you end up getting, uh, what is it, infinite pretty quickly. Yeah. You put out there. What, what was that? Oh, he. Oh, uh, what part, Toff? J just at the end, uh, you said uh, you Something get about infinite regress. Oh, that's what it was. Yes. Okay. Is yeah, that... infinite regress happens pretty quickly. Yeah, when you were Dude, saying that's so cool. <laughs> you were something about a. Uh... Data logic and, and a reflection. Were you referring to infinite regress and uh, reflecting? Yeah, for me, like data logic is something that we can only reflect or get a mirror image of, and so uh, the infinite regress aspect of it, like infinity, gets turned into either a mathematical object or an imaginary uh, exercise, which we can never know the end. Like, as you say, as you point out the limits to our knowledge. So we can never ever prove something like infinity. And I used to think that same exact thing of eternity. Like, there's no way we would ever be able to touch such a notion of eternity with any kind of either intellectual or empirical uh, tools. And then I met Matt and he showed me this and I was like, holy fuck, we're kind of scraping it just with the, like... Like our, our backs are turned to it. We're holding mirrors up and we're looking at it and trying to compare our notes on it. Uh, and when we do that, that's the intersubjective accord that I'm trying to find as the basis of what we all start to discuss as that universal morality, or at least the sketch of what could be something like that. Um, yeah. Well, but what, it, it yeah. gets too complex at a certain point for me to what do it I on my own. What I like about this type of thing in general, though, is that uh, it it would allow it allows us to get past a bunch of uh, setting up where we'd have to set up all this uh, about um, the existence of uh, other universes, for instance, or the existence of uh, rather than have to uh, debate on on that, we could get it. I like things that are more to the root, you know. Right rather than uh, all of the... There's a lot of discussion that would normally have to take place to get to this type of uh, uh, source. Right? I agree, man. Like a good foundation where we're all going, yeah, that's pretty level-headed, and I don't think this guy's crazy. He's not like being new age about things, but there's something transcendent about it.
Yeah, I, I like being able to surpass the uh, the discussions about whether that uh, there totally. is transcendent in the first place. Like I like yeah. to establish that. For I do too, man. I think it cuts right to the chase. Yeah, that's yeah. So I, I'll commend you guys for cutting to the chase. That's a nice important thing to do. That's that's the beauty of what I thought in it too is that like if if we could all just like when you think about nothingness too man like for me it's like if you have any kind of zen sensibilities about you or I do yeah it it, it really appeals to that like reset button for the mind where just go blank and if there's a whole bunch of things that are upsetting you in the moment think about nothingness and you know <laughs> recollect yourself uh, for me personally, that's that's really helped me, at least, even in just dad terms, being a father. Yeah, so, um, it's always good I, as a uh, this type of pursuit helps with your life or anything. With the dude, tell me about it. That is It'd awful. be so awful if it was just like really high-minded abstraction that made us feel good about thinking high-minded abstractions well i do think when you get to arrive at any truth at all there is uh, some life value and uh yeah if, if if there is truth behind it it'll probably have value to living your life in the first place. i agree i agree man but, good old glue dude yeah oh, I, I i always do think that um I, I, I do think that there are these uh, ways of living. I think the you can arrive at uh, truth um, in any of the avenues of uh, philosophical pursuit, like whether it be aesthetics or ethics. You could ar- through aesthetics or ethics, you could arrive at metaphysical truths. I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of though there are many roads up the mountain, so to speak. All- they're just, yeah, they're just different uh, ways of putting the same thing. Yep. So, of course, it will help you with your, if, if you're going to come find, figure out a metaphysical truth, it'll, it's, it's sure to help you with your, with your life. I think that's, uh, I think that would be as important as it being irrefutable. I, th- I feel as though if it didn't help you with your life, that would be, uh, it w- that would refute it in a sense. Yeah. I, I think I agree. Sense. Mm-hmm. In a performative sense, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. In a way, too, like that almost is uh, it, it it kind of it outlines the the reason why we even have leaned in this direction as a species, like the idea that we could analyze the basis of what it is that nature is and extract technology out of it of any kind which helps us survive at a ever <laughs> ever quickening pace now it's it was always to do things which cut the corners of working <laughs> like not to have to work as much or to save time or labor whatever it is like if we do that in the most efficient most uh kind of truthfully accorded way it would seem as though that 
principle would be maximized, right? Yeah. I mean, something to that effect. Well, to me, I wonder if uh, what helps us survive the best is also what uh, is the best for attaining truth, like from an evolutionary standpoint, if we, uh, mm. if the same, if, if we, we evolved, uh, if the same mechanisms of evolution, uh, help us arrive at, at truth rather than just to uh, help us arrive at uh, survival. If, uh, yeah. that's the same thing. If it really is that, uh, what helps us survive is what's, uh, is seeing in front of us what's true rather than seeing in front of us what is, uh, easier to see mm, expedient yeah with the yeah so it's the same uh what helps us uh build up our technology which is the same as is uh, what helps us survive is uh whether that is uh, geared towards truth or geared towards expedience is uh it's up for discussion it's, yeah, I, I definitely agree. It's because I can find, um, like, one of the last conversations that uh, was uploaded to YouTube was about, uh, like, the argument of veganism. And uh, when Matt stated something to the effect about, like, there's nothing intrinsically wrong about killing, uh, he and I had never had that conversation, but that's, I mean, I've told that to my wife countless times and it's, it's weird to me when I hear reflections of my thoughts from someone else when I haven't talked to them about that particular subject. And it just so happens that we share a theoretical epistemic basis of some sort that, I mean, as far as I'm concerned at this point, I'm, thinking I'm in the 99, 98 to 99% tile of understanding what it is that DM theory is about. And that last remaining piece would be when I don't feel as though I need to check or have Matt check what it is that I'm saying, which I don't know, maybe that'll happen sometime next year. But at that point, once I get to that, like kind of hundred percent confidence level of it, that's where I think I'm going to start exploring the more, nuanced areas where I've just started thoughts, let's say, but I haven't finished them because of my agnostic tendencies. Uh, here's a good start to a thought. No need to conclude it because I'm fine with not knowing that kind of thing. Uh, I'd like to start exploring some of these more shadowed areas with people because I think ultimately what happens there is we end up giving each other like what a comedian does when they tell a good joke that actually contains some essence of humanistic truth um, that it allows everyone to kind of let their gut out and they can breathe a, a breath of relief because, Oh, thank God I'm not the only one type feeling. Uh, I think that's kind of what it is that we can start doing for each other, at least in the philosophical circles that are interested in this kind of thing. I just had that moment right now with metaphysics, pataphysics, omniphysics and physics being all one. Uh, nice and bring that back to earth to become to me what i call the universal man something that i've been trying to reach 
but have found it impossible uh, to explain it to myself or how it would even work. And this is a step forward uh, using Dude. these four rules uh, to make uh, hopefully something for myself to live by. That's so cool, man. You already had your little, uh, your, your bucket of it too for the universal man. Yeah, dude. It's a, That's it's a, what I, it's, it's a wannabe book I'm writing in my head and only I have ever read it. <laughs> totally, man, dude. That's what I was doing with X theory all these years. Thanks for helping me with that, man. That actually probably started me off with, with what I was thinking. X theory. Dude. Well, and you helped me with a lot of that too. Like it's, it literally is just the honesty of friendship and, conversations like these that i think all of us kind of get a little bit closer to that thing that we want to be without um i don't know Have without try yeah well, well i wanted to say without embellishing any pathology here because the one thing That's that can happen it, right like, <laughs> i, I like, do have some i do have some views um that people on Discord servers do describe as kind of out there in general. Right. I do espouse like subjective idealism quite often. And uh, I feel, and uh, people on Discord very often uh, think I'm being ridiculous. Because I will, I, in terms of this reality, the one that we, that we um, live in, I think, mm -hmm. I think uh, consciousness is the fundamental substrate of it. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious how that would work uh, in regard to data logic. If uh, do you think there's a do do you believe that consciousness could be the fundamental substrate of this reality that we that we inhabit together? Well, for me personally, I mean, it's, like, possible. it's possible. Yeah, it's, but I, I, it doesn't seem likely. It's definitely the mystery that like we're all trying to uncover. Uh, for for me, the thing that data logic was able to help me with is that the mystery of reality's origin didn't need to be as heavily focused on. And now the mystery of consciousness and what it is, how it fits into the picture is so much more easy. Uh, not so much more. It's, it's easier to kind of approach it now without having that existential problem running in the background as it were. So yeah. I don't um, know, like, it's it's just it is like an open question to me as well i've looked into like stuff like orc or theory orchestrated objective reduction theory by stuart hammerhoff and penrose uh roger penrose and they want to reduce it down to the microtubules and whatever those structures are within neurons and the synaptic exchange of information they can analyze it based on how they apply anesthesia to you know, patients going under like that. Um, it's really weird how creative and clever people have gotten without a basis such as DM theory that my curiosity is what happens when conversations like these meet people that are doing the science of consciousness? Will it change anything? Will it help them in any way? Because I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not certain I'm even qualified to talk about well, the... it's funny, right? Yeah. Because, like, you've known for a while, like, the definitions I usually use to define, like, what the fundamental characteristic required for consciousness is, right? Uh, awareness? Uh, yeah, awareness, yeah. Yeah. 
um, Vivi had some interesting stuff to say about how you can make a very compelling argument that, um, like, based on what you would call awareness mechanically, which is like input-output information, uh -huh. um, electrons could be said to be aware insofar yeah. as they, they can take on and, like, store information. Right. Yeah, which is a really interesting one. I never considered that before. That's what I was wondering about your position on panpsychism, because... I thought that there was room for it in your interpretation. Mm -hmm. Of course. And I, I like the idea. I always have. Not always. Ever since I heard about it. And it reminds me of like biocentrism as well. But I, at the same time, for some agnostic reason, I like letting consciousness be a mystery. And in some ways, trying to argue the point that it's a fundamental, necessary mystery, that it should never be solved because it can't ever be, or something like that, until death. And it's, it, I don't know if I'm even prepared to make that argument yet, but those are my loosely affiliated thoughts about it. Yeah, well, I, I too uh, arrive at theories of everything to some, to some degree, but in regard to consciousness, really, this is more the avenue that I kind of go down in, in yeah. driving a theory of everything. It is to me, to me, it is it is kind of apparent that consciousness is the fundamental substrate of our of our world. But uh, the only the only if it wasn't for how it appears to us to be emergent, I I would a hundred percent be uh, I would. I, there wouldn't be a bone in my body that didn't believe that consciousness was uh, the fundamental substrate. If if it wasn't for this, what I would describe as an illusion of emergence. But uh -huh. uh, I'm just curious, as again, like to how um, something like beta logic could um, uh, could it work with? I I, I see how it could again because um, when we're discussing. Uh, our world it's not necessarily discussing the whole the world as a whole uh, right but have you heard of a term called phaneron what term the the term is phaneron p-h-a-n-e-r-o-n it's it's defined i think loosely as um the world as it's filtered through your senses so uh the study of that is phaneroscopy. And the idea behind that is that we only ever encounter like of the observable, of the observable universe. We can only, you know, see so far back. The same is kind of true of our perception that we can only see of the observable universe, that which our perception avails to us or Another way to look at it would be reality speaks to us in the language of our own symbols and experience. So the question that arose to me when you talked about consciousness being the fundamental substrate of our world or of our experience of the world is the question that came to mind. Hey, Nephew, what's up?
Hello? Yeah, I'm not sure. Shoot, I can't hear anyone. No, can yeah, you I, 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 Sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't pushing the talk. I was trying to push. I forgot about that. Ah. Um, anyway, yeah, no, I think that, I think that, uh, yeah, more of our sensory experience of the world is, uh, it is the substrate of our sensory experience of the world, but I feel as though for sure. uh, we're sensing exists primarily in our minds rather than outside huh. our minds. But perhaps there is like a, yeah, like a noumenal reality that uh, eludes us, but still um, uh, our phenomenal experience, what we phenomenal, like yeah, phenomenon of the world exists uh, in our minds primarily. And yeah. Thus, consciousness would be the fundamental substrate of, of our reality. But more, more, yeah, the phenomenological properties of the world are a product of our consciousness. That makes a little more sense. I, I think I agree with that, too. Um, that, like, I've, I've tried to make the distinction between, like, existence and reality, and existence pertaining more towards, like, all that is consciousness or subjective or like, I really like the term sentience as well. Uh, to me, it's, it's almost impossible to talk about consciousness without the notion of sentience. Uh, even in like a neural, what is it? Neuroscience kind of way where like if consciousness is regarded as top down processing of information, sentience would be the kind of embodied bottom up version of how it is that we process information through our senses. Am I cutting out here? <laughs> I think I'm cutting out too. But, um, yeah. So again, yeah. In, re in regard to, uh, the question of those consciousness. Yeah. It is, it is a mystery. Like to everybody, but at, at present, yeah, I feel yeah. Like, uh, in accepting the that possibility of it of it being uh, the if of the universe being in the mind rather than uh, the other way around, I feel so that's uh, to arrive at a theory of everything um, that would be a good uh, axiom. You know, it'd be good to to start to start there uh, in a sense, and if that could be accepted, but it doesn't. I don't think it's necessarily necessary for this uh, data logic business because it already kind of uh, supersedes it anyway. Cause it right. Like the, the interesting thing that uh, one of the implications is that um, like you end up having to regard our universe as like a DVD and everything that's written on that DVD is there's nothing changing about it. Even though if you were to, you know, get down into the experience of the timeline of that DVD, there would be, the experience of what we call change, but that the beginning and the end is already encoded on the DVD. And no matter how many times you play that, it's always going to play back the same. And so what ends up coming out of the, I guess, axioms of a static omniverse, if you will, you, you have this kind of, when we look back on our past, everything that led us to this present moment, we can call it destiny. That's pushing us forward on everything that we do to avoid our destiny being the path that ends up opening up the thing that was invariably going to happen anyway. 
And it's a, a strange thing because I kind of got hung up on the idea of destiny. I don't even know why, but I just rejected that part right out. Right. <laughs> I think Matt had a, had like a soft hearted, you'll get it one day to me when I finally did. Um, but yeah, when I think about like how it is that we can fundamentally look at what it is that consciousness, consciousness's role is, um, I end up usually trying to scrap the word all on its own because it's trying to define it has left all of science in a uproar about it is a impossible to define phenomenon which is why we lean on that idea of intellect, which, which is just, for me, Aristotle said it best with realization of potentiality. What was the thing you were describing earlier? The, uh, uh, with intellect? No, it was like, um, I'm trying to remember what it was. Like five minutes ago. Uh, was it the DVD metaphor? No, prior to that. Prior to that was... Um, shoot. fuck was that? Anyone else? <laughs> What's up, dude? Do you remember what I was talking about like five minutes ago? My memory, I, I right? My... Hey, Nefu, we couldn't hear you talking. There was, right? a certain, there was a certain word you used. I forgot what, what, what it was. It was uh, like double muted. Or oh, Fanaron. That's it. Was that it, man? Fanaron? I think that was it, yeah. Yeah. This, Vsauce has a good video on that. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, okay. is anything real? Is the name of it, but that—that's an interesting concept, at the very least. Phaneron or the umwelt is another word for something similar. U m w e l t, which is a term I picked up from uh, the guys that run Flow Genome Project. Words that basically are trying to capture the fact that we perceive a world to be a certain way and we're more or less kind of a slave to our limits yeah yeah that's a that's a given now that we of course yeah we are perceiving the world yeah there are yeah uh, it is filtered it is filtered for sure and then i mean i've heard like what is it pop science kind of ideas about we get 50,000 thoughts a day or some large number of thoughts per day. And we're only aware of a fraction of that. That sounds um, very pop science. It does. I don't even know how true it is, but like the, the idea being like, if we could be aware of all of it, all of the information that's going on in our brains, what would that experience look like? To me, that's very similar to what a psychedelic experience would be like yeah. 
It's like that uh, yeah. pop science. It's like the, the remember the, that pop science idea that was floating around for a few years that we only use a certain percentage of our mind. Yeah, yeah, like ten percent of our brain or something. Yeah, so like, yeah, some pop science thing. It's weird how those kind of room, like rumors, is almost what those are. Rumors just get spread online and before online, I guess. Things that sound entertaining and like mm-hmm. somewhat plausible at like a certain level. And then you're like, wait, that's a, that's just like a, something in a movie. Like, yeah, it's like, totally. That's yeah, like a movie script that got taken seriously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to think of it. I know, man, I was watching, uh, who was it that was talking about the brain? Uh, I think his name is Ian McGillcrest on Rebel Wisdom YouTube channel. And they were talking about like that left-right brain distinction, how the left part of your, your left eye controls your right brain and your right eye controls your left brain. Or they correspond, maybe not control. Um, and that other than like a few of those real low resolution kind of categorical distinctions, both sides do most of the same thing. It's not like one side's creative and the other side's analytic. That was another one of those kind of pop science misconceptions that That was a that was one of the big like there's a book there was that book on it. That's one of those that was like a really big idea amongst psychologists that I remember. Yeah. I think psychologists took that and ran with that. Yeah. Yeah, that was another pop science. But yeah, this guy Ian McGillcrest, he went through I haven't read his book, but he he gave a compelling breakdown of what it was that that distinction was seeking to explain, but that it was just kind of like a superficial gloss on it, and it needed a much better resolution, if you will. All right, guys, well, I think I'm, I'm headed off. Yeah, man, this has been great, actually. Thank you for... Nice talking to you guys. Likewise, Gloob. Bye. Have a good night, Gloob. Take care, brother. His questions helped me understand so much more. Right. All right, now that he's gone, I'm going to tell you guys the secret to the universe. (laughs) 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 He's got to promise not to tell him. I've been waiting for Billy this whole time. (laughs) No, um, I was about to. I was about to say something. My my signature move is to wait till I hear everybody throw in, and I get like a general sense of where the discussion's going, and then I put my nice. two cents in. But <clears throat> I have a theory about like how and why like thinking evolves, like the actual like effort of like why things run exponential essentially in terms of like human discovery, right? Okay. Uh, so. If you think about some of the things that we discovered before mathematics took like a, a, a noteworthy like jump forward, yeah, it's kind of impressive because like a lot a lot of what we think about and try and express is like intuition and like I will call it like barehanded understanding, right? Nice. Like, like surely the first person that used the leverage didn't go, aha, if you just pick this point and you leverage, 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 like, you know what I mean? Like, that wasn't the thought, you know? They weren't, like, <laughs> they, they weren't, like, 
studying uh, coefficients and like they weren't worried about like force in and you know res- you know like net distribution of surface but area they did, like they weren't considering they, these things. Yeah, but they were focused on doing what worked best, right? And it just so happened that these things that we later came up with described the thing that works best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's exactly what I'm getting into. Is is my idea here is that description is the I guess like description and i'm loosely like trying to go ahead and like marry together the terms like mathematic expression and description Mm -hmm. the the less the less um hocus pocus or ego because i'm about to link those two in a second but like the less like the less fancy the language and the more practical the language the faster the the fundamental can be absorbed and the faster the fundamental can be absorbed, the quicker it can be abstracted and the quicker it can be like, or rather the sooner it could be abstracted, the sooner it can be uh, like married to something else and implemented in tandem for a new discovery. Right. Dude, I think, <laughs> are, are you saying like once engineers can get, get their heads around it, then it can really, you know, take off. Well, yeah, like, like no concept like okay before we had really good math languages so like stuff like calculus and some of the more refined formulas that tell us stuff about like uh momentum and like just just some of those things we were already figuring out like crazy scientific shit like we had like pres uh what do they call it we had preservation like we had people embalming bodies without really Mm -hmm. knowing chemistry we had people yeah, we had people like refrigeration, I believe, predates uh, calculus and like any fundamental understanding about like, you know, uh, just just like the the things that you would think came in the order that they came in didn't necessarily like make any logical sense. It was just a bunch of people trying to explain like observation. And so once the language catches up, like once once we get better at condensing everything, like, cause it, just as a, for instance, I don't think like necessarily people got smarter and this is kind of married to some shit. I look, you know, kind of doing some research on before is like, mm-hmm. if you go on YouTube and you type in, um, I think it's like stronger, faster, bigger or something like that. There's a video talking about how like most of the records that have been broken in the last couple of years weren't necessarily like evolution. It's not like, our strongest people are stronger. Our fastest people are faster. It's like they're running in better shoes on better roads. <laughs> they're lifting, yeah. you know, more symmetrical and like, <laughs> you know, like they're expressing all of their human in a more efficient manner. If that, if that makes sense. With, with better tech and better environments yeah. and all that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not that like, Oh, we're somehow 5% better than the last generation. It's like, no, we're probably, point zero zero five percent smarter like like we're not we're not better in any meaningful biological like observable way we're just yeah the hardware is still the same yeah like we're just demonstrating it in a in a in a in a better environment yeah in a better environment yeah that makes sense man um so like in a way like it sounds like what you're saying is that like once once we can simplify all of the things that we've complexified, that it'll connect to more and more things. And all all of that will create a better picture of everything that's going on overall. Yeah. All we're, all we're trying to do, like, like information isn't useful to you until 
uh, what was it? I think it was Einstein said, if you really understand something, you can explain it simply. Totally. Right? Yeah, I love that. And yeah, and it's, it's, oh, oh. I'm at the drive-thru. No worries, man. Yes. That memes, though. <laughs> hey, uh, Visionary, did you read your PMs? Uh, let me look real quick. I, I just looked at them, didn't read them. Yeah, man, I definitely will, though. Mm-hmm. Oh. Can, are yeah, you yeah I got food. Nice, man. <laughs> I got Fuel up. Yeah, dude. What's the uh, YouTube channel that you guys talk on, please? Same same name. Nameless debates. Thanks. Of course. It's in a debate voice text as well. Alright. Have have we broken twenty-five subscribers yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, think I checked recently, it's like like a forty or something. Oh shit, they're coming through. We're about to get one more, probably. Yep, I just made it. 40. There he goes. Who's going to be 42? The answer to everything. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> I'll be going through this and uh, hopefully adding whatever I get out of it with you guys oh, soon. Oh, for sure, man. Definitely Dude, yeah, any questions? Any yes. questions, hit us up for sure. I'm so on board. Thanks so much for inviting me to this debate, this uh, Discord. Dude, I, I knew you would like it too. It's all about it, dude. Uh, I, I got this uh, Samsung Dex thing just for this because uh, I need to be on multiple windows on my phone to be able to right? make this conversation flow. That's how, because you were sending me messenger chats and I'm like, oh shit, that's right. I gotta check on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Multitasking. Oh, dude. Yeah, that thing is like, is that a screenshot? That's a screenshot of my television. I'm mirroring that. It's like, uh, I'm controlling my phone ah. with the keyboard and mouse. Dude, that's fucking fun. Yeah, dude. I love I this love that. I love how like fun technology is getting. Yeah, I don't think iPhone has uh, anything like it. Maybe you gotta you gotta look into it, dude. It makes your phone so much easier to use. I know I've been kind of an iPhone snob for too long. I'm sure iPhone has it. Yeah, you just had to you gotta look into HDMI connections to uh, the screen and then connect yourself with a micro. Uh, I keep saying microphone for a mouse, a mouse and a keyboard. Oh yeah, nice. Okay. You know what hurts my feelings is that fucking uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson is an iPhone user. It hurts, <laughs> it hurts your feelings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it should.
You know what doesn't hurt my feelings? Tell me. Toasted buttery buns with jalapeno cheese and roast beef. Dude, that sounds like a delectable treat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where'd burn. you get that? Where'd you get that from? <laughs> Arby's. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, dude, Arby's always. Mm-hmm. I'm like starving now. Yeah. That is inadvisable, sir. <laughs> I advise that you don't starve. You should all meet up and go and go get some food. All together. Right. And we're just going to debate at the table. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then if we have to meet our we if we have to use our server mute or server deafen, <laughs> we just cover <laughs> each other's mouths. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna server def- I'm gonna I'm server deafen on that, and I put my hands over his ears. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> gotta gotta pick on me, eh? <laughs> Have you guys ever seen Black Mirror? Yeah, dude, so good. It's such a good show, and how they there's I forget which episode it is, but how they can like block people with those contact lenses that they had. Yeah, and then like make them all blurry and shit. Yep, and muted and. They just found a way to block people in real life. It's crazy, dude. The most advanced strategy. most advanced social strategy. Yeah. So uh, talk about uh, ego and echo chamber, though, too. Like, to tie that in. Yeah. Like, oh, hell yeah. Goodness, man. What you were talking about in terms of, uh, like, in some ways, I like the idea of removing ego from as much of you much of your analysis about objectivity as you possibly can but then when you flip that into like what's the objectivity of subjectivity the ego again has to kind of come into the analysis or at least has to be accounted for and so i i call it like a just a little tag i use uh, including the measure in the measurement because mm-hmm. how else are we going to be honest about what it is that we're talking about when it comes to our own self-existence? Yeah. Now, um, yeah. I've, been, I've been pondering on this writing project. I was, I was like, all right, I could either write or not write. And I was like, if, we, if this thought gets too deep, I'm just going to have to write it. But yeah, totally. One of, one, of, one of the things I was thinking about is like, um, and this is a this is a Robert De Niro joke, but it says a lot about like it says a lot about the world, right? So it's like if a guy calls you a horse, you punch him in the mouth. If another guy calls you a horse, you call him a jerk. If a third guy calls you a horse, you buy a saddle, right? <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I but like, like the idea behind the the, the idea behind the joke is like it speaks to you, like your identity, like. And, you know, and, and, you know, not to reference two jokes in a row, but, but Louis C.K. was like, you know, you don't get to choose yeah. how people see you, you know? Dude, I love that one. And it's not up to you it, if you're an asshole or not. You're like, oh, I'm not an asshole. But, uh, <laughs> but everyone you meet thinks you're an asshole. <laughs> right? I know. I love that joke. Uh. He delivers it so well. And that's, it, it is a valid point that, like, we... I've used the analogy of yoga before because, like, my wife has asked me, um, honey, like, tell me, like, how, like, am I straight? Am I, you know, up and down vertical? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, bring your legs back a little bit. And she's like, here? 
I'm like, yeah, like right about there. And she's like, God, that feels like I'm way off balance. And she's like, I thought it was straight. And it's like our own ability to self-perceive even our bodies, you know, location and things. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it takes training at the very least to get it into a place where there's at least some accuracy in the way that we self-reflect. Mm -hmm. And I think we get that by the honesty of our friends. And if you don't have like friends that are helping you kind of keep shit in check and, you know, keep it real, so to speak, mm -hmm. well, them's the, uh, the path mm -hmm. <laughs> of psychopathy of some form. Dude, dude, that's why, um, that's why being born rich is, is a social disadvantage that doesn't yeah. necessarily punish you. Like, like life might not ever fucking tear you down. But I yeah. guarantee you that, like, as in terms of a percent chance, you're more likely to be a piece of shit if you're born. <laughs> really. yeah. Because life, life isn't going to punish. Like, it, you're never going to get punched in the face for saying the wrong thing. You're never going to yeah. have like people who are below you give you any genuine feedback. Right. It's always going to be sycophancy and brown nosing of sorts. And Free fucking sizey. Like the br the bubble essentially. Mm-hmm. You become a bubble boy. That's dude. That's why when people ask me like, "What? Well, who's your dream girl?" Or like, you know, well, like, tell me about you. Like, you know, like if you could just dial up a bitch, right? Like, if you just program a bitch, <laughs> I'd be like, "Yo, she would have tons of personality because she grew up ugly, <laughs> dude, or fat, and then lost it all." Mm -hmm. Yeah, because mm -hmm. fat chicks are they're usually funny too. One hundred. If they lose it and they had a good face, mm, that's pretty awesome chick there. The ones that mm -hmm. were ugly in high school or the ones, those are the ones you got to stick with. Those are the ones that are going to be fucking successful and beautiful. Right. The black swans. Uh-huh. Yep. Dude, there's this girl we dated. At, like, we dated for three and a half years, 10 years ago, right? Um, I was recently the best man at her wedding. And, and we've had so many conversations where she's like, oh, you got a minute to talk? And then I look down at my phone and it's like two hours and 42 minutes. I'm like, oh, holy shit, we've been talking forever. But like, <laughs> she's just this great person because Dude, when that's... she was growing up, she was a fucking well. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But that's yeah, good, man. Right? Mm -hmm. Good to be able to have that kind of like friendship with anyone. Mm -hmm. Where the time just evaporates and you're like, what? Like, even right now, like, this conversation has probably been going on for at least a couple hours now and like time almost becomes this non-factor when oh, you're yeah. in good another, company <laughs> another another einstein quote uh and i might butcher it slightly but he said uh if you want to understand how time is relative it's like uh touch a stove yeah. it's like touch a hot stove or hold the hand of someone you love yeah yeah <laughs> dude that, i love that one too it's something yeah. like that. It's or or spend a minute with a with a pretty girl or something like that. Yeah, it's like touch a hot <laughs> stove for ten ten seconds or yeah, spend a minute yeah in good company or some yeah some shake gets butchered, but yeah, we get the sentiment. <laughs> Dude, I am really good at butchering quotes too. Mm -hmm. Happens. It does, and I'm wondering why Matt is so quiet tonight.
Um, I'm working on something else as well, so. Ah. Illuminati confirmed. He's behind. He's the, he's the hand that pulls, that draws the curtain. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I've got you, man. It's, 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 Dude, I it. love... I love that Just Do It meme. <laughs> I love it when I show it to people and they had never seen it, and then they become obsessed with it. Dude, I'll tell you what the weirdest feeling to have... Uh, which is like, I guess, exactly what you just said, but just like married to a large sample size. Is okay. uh, so when I when I went to high school, it was like maybe five or six years before everybody and their mom had a goddamn smartphone, right? Like right now, it's weird. Like it's almost as common as like eyeballs. It's like, oh, you have eyeballs, so I guess you also have a smartphone, <laughs> right. you know? But like. But, like, predating that, you just had, like, human beings walking around, like, interacting with each other in person, or you had landline telephones. It was, like, not this network of, like, constant communication. Right. But what I always thought was wild was the sensation of feeling like maybe you thought of something. Like, it, it, it could be, like, a certain um, accent on a word or, like, a particular cadence to a phrase. And yeah. like you, you hear it somewhere else and you're like, wait, who's the ripple and who's the stone? Like who, who started this? You know? Yeah, dude. Really good metaphor <laughs> for it too. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh, uh, <laughs> not quite sure. But now you can just, you know, whip out your phone and find out. And mm -hmm. the idea of questioning endlessly, like some people play games where they're just like, uh, no one look up their phones. Who was that actor who played that role in, and they'll name mm -hmm. some obscure movie. And it's like yeah. Sinbad or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but like having all this information at our fingertips, it, it goes back to, I forget who it was, but it was probably one of the older Greek guys about all this writing is going to make us make our memories rot and we're not going to be able to think anymore. Yeah, and then there's that one where like, I think it was like between 40 and 80 years ago they were like writing in magazines about how all the teenagers now were reading too many books instead of going outside and seeing their friends yeah and that bias continues to this day with like digital bias or analog bias like absolutely dude it's the weirdest thing to see that same pattern repeat in terms of the cautionary tale of things ruining our I guess biology or something like that. Because it's so clearly <clears throat> ruined it. <laughs> well, I think that's I don't just think... the conservative nature of human psychology. You know, it's like new things are dangerous, so maybe don't trust them to begin with. Maybe, yeah. Hmm. I well, I think I see technology run running off a cliff with you know merging with humans eventually and people rejecting that and then being two versions of humanity basically mm -hmm. the the transhumans and the regular humans 
But I don't know. That to me seems inevitable. Hmm. I would go. I would go transhuman if it could be. Uh, if it could be like dry, aka like I don't want to be on the network. You know. Uh, ah. Yeah, yeah, I've. Like, I've wondered too. Yeah, like you probably it would have to be somewhat networked. <laughs> but if if it could be like decoupled from that and you could put it part by part, like, yeah, yeah I wonder about that. Like the same way that you um take like a flash drive, you know, like you choose all the files, put them on the flash drive, then the flash drive is like the medium, you know, that's like mm -hmm. how you get it to you. Right. Like I would do that before I'd be like, well, let me just link up and download mm. that shit. Like, mm, no, nah, I don't want to download a virus in my brain. <laughs> oh, true, I, mean, true. I wonder about due diligence at that point too. Like if you would have mm -hmm. to have all these virus scanners before it came into your biological system. Mm -hmm. Plenty to think about on that front. Well, shit, guys. I think I need to get going, actually. Week. <laughs> Stay on forever. Yeah, I vote no on proposition. You leave him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, someone, someone else is going to have to be, uh, be mildly interjectional. Is that a word? I just it keep interjecting. Yeah, I just keep on throwing. That's not a word. Um. What about scientificationalistically? Is that a word? <laughs> I'll do it all day, uh, baby. <laughs> here, look, you, can you can have obfuscatory. <laughs> there we go. I'll, I'll do obfuscatory. Obfus obfuscational. Yeah. That's, the one, man. <laughs> that's obfutastic. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm starting to get really, really oblivious here. <laughs> when I start making up words, it's it's pretty much time to call it quits. <laughs> yeah, guys, it's been great though, and uh, I look forward to the next time. I do. Take care, Have guys. You too. All right, now that he's gone, no, <laughs> that'd be a dick move. <laughs> look, I'm pretty tired. I'm probably gonna jump off now. It's two o'clock in the afternoon for you. It's it's fucking six p.m. in the afternoon, you bitch. Oh, it's six p.m. <laughs> I gotta no, tell I me what time it is. It's still some weak ass time. I didn't fucking sleep last night. Fuck your shit up. <laughs> Wait, where you been? Uh, literally, out of everybody on this server, I've typed to you the most about what I was doing. <laughs> like, there's yeah, no one.